Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I make up words, and then sometimes I have words that make sense, and I sound like I'm smart. And I really just use them not even knowing the meanings of the words. I just listen to how other people have used them. <laughs> you're throwing them out there, and you're hoping the right that way. fits. You're freelancing with the English yes. language. Oh, well, I mean, me and the English language, you know, you knew that already. I mean, that I... It's an adventure. It's an adventure. It's a wild adventure every time. It definitely is. I like that you're throwing things out there, and if they work, they work. I just say, I try. I just, sometimes I just come up with what I heard earlier, but that's what we'll do, and I'm sure I'll do that a few times today. Happy Earth Day, everyone. I hope everyone is enjoying this special day. We only have one Earth, as I know, so let's try to take care about care of it and continue our knowledge of what we need to do to take care of it. Uh, did you have a good 420 day? If you did, I have ago? a good. Yes. I was. It you was didn't crazy. partake in any activities. I, I, I didn't. I didn't. This is amazing for you. Yes, huh? it was a good 420. Day. Yes. Earth Day. Yes. The draft. Man, this is what Sims a week. Overload Sims right now. Power week. I know <laughs> it was. It was this good. would be like if Santa good. Claus and the Easter Bunny showed up at my house to take my kids <laughs> trick or treating, yep. and then they all went out for ice cream after in a car made of Legos. Yeah. It's like that much of a celebration. Sounds like fun. Yes, <laughs> it is. So we're gonna have some fun with Earth Day. Always glad to have my man Liam McHugh joining us. Thanks for being here. We're going to hit on a, a few different things today for uh, a few guys I want to talk about. A little mm-hmm. segment we're going to call Robin Hood. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, and we'll just talk about some other things that went on in the NFL. We're going to take some questions from the audience, yes. right? Are you sick of the overanalysis at oh. this point? I know that this is what you do. Yes. But you're at the point now where unless something crazy happens, yeah. you can't really change no, I'm, I'm a, how I'm, you feel about a particular prospect. No, no, I point. am not I, changing anything at this point. You're, I, yeah, exactly right. And I don't think you're going to see any teams feel any different about how their boards go at this point. I would say all of that got finalized probably within the last 10 days, you know, just tinkering here and there. Oh, this guy was five. We moved him to four. This guy was 20. We moved him to 23 and shuffled around this, whatever it may be. Uh, I, I just can't wait for it to get here. I am sick of talking about it. Um, and... I am interested to see how this draft plays out. Because we're now there's a lot of interesting things that can go on. And listen, I understand. Obviously, we work in this business. You have time to fill. You have shows, and you're going to talk about this stuff. But we are at the point now where for months and months you can build up a prospect because this guy's a winner. All he's done is win at win. every level. Look at his production. Wait a minute. How is he going to handle defeat? Ooh, how oh, I, I think I would have liked him to have lose a yeah. few more games. Right. I mean, we're at the point now where if that's, if that's where you're nitpicking people, where he didn't lose enough. 
you've kind of lost me in the conversation. No, I, I think so too. You're right. I mean, it, listen, whatever you know or evaluate as a player should be uh, pretty finalized at this point. Hey, the only thing I'll say this that can change maybe a team's look of a player, anything like that, would be off-the-field information at this point. And this is really where a lot of teams are kind of doing their double-check. Let's, hey, scouts, go back and go through all your off-the-field stuff. Make sure there's nothing else there that sneaks up on us, whether it's going through Twitter or Instagram, everything. All of that is going to be, you know, unturned here. Is that the proper word? Unturned? Either way, um, they're going to try to expose they're it. They're going to try to uncover in there. it. Probably. Uncover is uncover. the word I was looking for. Yes. Thank you very much. Well, you've made up another word. Thank you. I think you. Unturned. But at this point, if, if you have an agent and you're in this process, isn't that person going through all your social media and just deleting stuff? Yeah, well, I would have uh, thought right? so. Right. I thought, you know, I thought maybe Nick Bosa's agent would have probably told him, hey, don't bring up, you know, the fact that you had Donald Trump tweets and, yeah. and things like that in the San Francisco conversation. But that didn't go down. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you would hope that the agent has advised them to clear all that stuff up. But regardless, uh, teams will make their scouts go back, double-check with people at the university. Is there anything else there? All those type of things. And then I forgot to mention this off the bat. I mean, Josh Allen's coming on the podcast today. Ah, yeah, yeah like very cool. The Josh Allen, the Kentucky Josh Allen. I like the other Josh Allen from Buffalo. But we got Josh Allen jersey style from Kentucky Yes, he went to Jersey, too. Another Jersey. Another Jersey uh, guy. Were you there for Rashawn Gary? I was. It's, Gary get, it's getting obnoxious. Yeah, it really buddy. is. Yes, sir. All right. Yeah. Better what? long-term prospect out of the two Josh Allens. Ooh, that's a really good uh, mm, question. What do you think? Well, you want, I, you I, th- you I have a man Buffalo? crush on Josh Allen in Buffalo. Okay. It's hard to overturn. So emotionally, you're tied to him. I am. I really am. He was my number one quarterback in the draft last year. Mm-hmm. And I, you know me. I'm a sucker for big arms. And he's a really good athlete. And I'm kind of rooting for him. Big arms, big big ass and legs. Yes. Yes. And that's why he ran for almost 100 yards in three consecutive games. He got 99 in one of them. But, uh, yeah, he's a special talent, the Josh Allen. All right, Buffalo. those are the big prospects. Yeah. But you have some guys, uh, some prospects that you think deserve a little bit more love, a little bit more attention. You know it. All right, this is Robin Hood. This is Robin Hood. And you're going, what the hell is Robin Hood? There I am. I asked for, like, the Kevin Costner Robin Hood. No, that's the 1973 cartoon Robin Hood. My kids kids watch that. Okay, that's good. And it's a 73 cartoon, so you hope that they don't pick up on certain things and ask questions that are really (laughs) uncomfortable. Right, right. Like, ah, it's just a harmless cartoon, please. I don't know if I've seen the 73 one in a while. I always go to the Kevin Costner Robin Hood, okay? He's a ladies' man. He's good with the bow and arrow. It just fits me. That's what I thought. That is a horrible movie, and you need to go back and watch it. First Uh, off, Costner has no English accent at all, or if he's trying to do one, it's so bad. Valid point. He Uh, doesn't. They do have – the guy who plays the sheriff is the – what is he? Sheriff of Nottingham? He is the villain from Die Hard. Oh, he is. He's the, uh, the guy so that gets thrown off the that. building. You're right. And I believe Morgan Freeman performs the first C-section in British history. Mm. In the, that, I, what a movie. I, I forgot about what that. What a film that's, that is. That's why I wanted to be Kevin <laughs> Costner. But for all those out there listening going, what the fuck is Sims talking about with Robin Hood right now? What I'm talking about is... I want to take from the rich and give to the poor. And I feel like that's exactly what happens here in draft season. It's always about, you know, all we hear about is Kyler Murray, the quarterbacks, Quinnen Williams, Ed Oliver, Josh Allen from Kentucky, all the sexy names at the top of the draft. And I understand that. I understand that's what drives traffic. But I want to show some guys that deserve some love 
uh, in this draft process who I think are special prospects and kind of put them on everybody's radar to say, watch out for these guys in the next two to three years. I think they can be special players in the NFL, like superstar caliber talents that I've seen so far to where I go, nobody's talking about them, and let's be the guys to do that. All right, you're the guy in the draft room who's making the case right now. You like somebody, you need to rate them higher. We need to look at this guy if we have an opportunity. Right. Should we start? Let's start. First one. Yeah. You got Edge Rusher from TCU. You have LJ Collier. I, I was late on this guy. Okay. I'll, I'll be the first to admit. A lot, I of, edge, a lot of edge rushers. A lot, lot of edge rushers. Uh, okay. And I just didn't get all the way down the list to where he was until, you know, a little bit after. Really, I had already evaluated about 10, 12 defensive ends and then uh, had a few friends tell me and ask me, have you watched this guy? And I was like, man, I just saw a little of him. I haven't really watched him watch him. But LJ Collier, to me, is one of the uh, would be one of the steals of the draft. And I think he's really a guy that deserves to be talked about in the end of the first round conversation. I'll just put it out there like this. L.J. Carrier, 6'2", 280-something pounds, coming off the edge. First of all, I think he's got more high-end talent than a guy like Colin Farrell from Clemson. I think he's more talented than that. If I re-ranked my edge prospects, if we got that, let's throw that up there if you're watching. It's one Nick Bosa, two Rashawn Gary, three Montez Sweat, four Josh Allen. Number five would be L.J. Collier. Be in front of Brian, Brian Burns, Jalen Ferguson, and then Clellan Farrell, who are, let me just say, all of these guys are top 40, top 45 prospects in the draft. I don't think there's any question about that. It's a special group this year. There, are, there are some people that, the size yeah. is there. Yeah. 6'2", 280, right. huge wingspan. Right. So he looks like he's, he looks the part. He so looks he, the part. Some people wonder about balance, athleticism within that frame. I'm glad you're asking me that, first of all, because, first of all, his athleticism and balance is really what, makes him special to me, okay, from this aspect. When he rushes the passer, Liam, his ability to, like, shake people or I'm going to come in real fast and then stop and then do something else again, his suddenness, his twitchiness, his explosiveness that way, he ran a 4-9 at the combine. He's much faster than that on the field, and he is special one-on-one to where he can make offensive tackles and guards miss. Now, the balance thing, it comes up in my notes, but it's not his fault. Okay, this is the thing I'll say out there, and I think a lot of evaluators miss out on this. If you're playing defense end, Annie, I'm going to stand up for two seconds, okay? If you're playing defense end, okay, and here is the quarterback. He's over here like this. Okay, now your defensive coach calls something to go, we want you to stunt inside and go all the way from outside the tackle in between the guard and center. Okay, so when you're first have to be like this. Well, if a team has like a running sign assignment where they're pushing or blocking you down, There's nobody on earth that can go seven feet to the left on a full sprint with a 300-pounder on their back Mm -hmm. and go, oh, I'm going to stop here in the hole and hold it all down. That doesn't happen. And I think that's where people get misevaluated with certain things like that. It's not realistic to even expect him to be able to stop. Khalil Mack wouldn't be able to stop. You know, you go Michael Bennett on the Patriots wouldn't be able to stop. You go through it, it does not matter. So I think people sometimes not knock people because of unrealistic things you're asked to do in your defensive scheme. They see him on the tape. They see him off his feet on the ground. Oh, and, how can this and guy it's an be easy thing to do? Yeah, right. exactly right. But he's a special pass rusher, and for his size, his quickness, and, you know, I'm into bend, his ability like we see when we go to Notre Dame games or anything yep. like that, guys that can get real low and turn the corner, he has that ability, I, yes, and I I think he is a guy that deserves to be in that 25 to 35 conversation. I'm glad we gave him some love. All right. So yeah. you're going to stand up throughout this one? No, time? that was the last All right, one. Good. I'm yeah. not standing. All right, good. This Fine. is it. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's go Darnell Savage. Yeah. Maryland. Dar- safety. Woo. Like, this, this might be one of my favorite players in the NFL draft. 
And to me, this is the second best safety in the draft. Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State, mm-hmm. I will give him the title holder. Darnell Savage, 5'11", 198 pounds, ran a 4.36. Yep. Plays like he runs 4.26. Plays like he runs 4.28. Flies on film. And really, it's very hard for me to come up with comparisons of safety in the NFL because it's such a special skill set. He's a true free safety. He really reminds me of Devin McCourty up in New England okay. because he's that fast and that athletic to where, hey, if people don't realize this, Devin McCourty caught an interception last year against Buffalo, returned it for a touchdown, and I believe was clocked as the fastest guy in football, miles per hour-wise. He is that fast. There's a reason he was drafted as a first-round corner. Darnell Savage has the same type of explosion, if not better than a McCourty. His ability to read and then react and go get a running back before he gets to the hole or a guy who's catching a bubble screen, Liam, to me it was like can't-miss TV. I think he deserves, again – to be in the conversation for end of the first round or somewhere at least in the top 40 to 45 picks for sure. He's a special player in the league of speed. And well, that's the thing. A lot of the stuff that you're saying should be should be obvious. I like, don't. It should be like the 40 time is the 40 time. The size, the athleticism. Why? Why? I don't know. This is this is why I want to bring love to the guy because I don't get it either. You know, good tackler. You know why? Because I would. This is probably why. Probably doesn't quite have the size of the normal. Like this is not Jamal Adams or or a Derwin James type safety. But the whole league's going that way. I know. Right? You're I mean, exactly right. So and and he, they're not. His guy's not a strong safety. He's more free safety. Play him in space. You don't want him to make a living taking on pulling guards. His abilities don't always be nickelback slash safety. Do everything that way. And again, he's not like a killer tackler, okay? Mm-hmm. Which I think like people lose their sex appeal. But there's a reason they're called safety because they're the last line of defense, and they just want you to make the damn tackle so nobody goes for a touchdown. He is a great tackler in open space, and. Nobody is going 70 yards to the house with him on the field because he is going to run you down. I've seen some people put out their Bob Sanders comparisons. I, that, I, that, I could can very, you get, can it's you that, that type of explosiveness. Okay. I wrote Earl Thomas in my notes as well, to, just right. because of explosiveness. He's not as thick as a Bob yeah. Sanders like that, but the speed and movements is very similar to that. I'm glad you did your homework on hey, this. That's listen, cool. Way to go, kid. You know, Way to cramming go. late for the Happy test. Happy Earth Day. That's it. That's all I've got. Yeah. So we'll see what we can get. <laughs> you can stop listening to the podcast right now. <laughs> Jamel Dean. Auburn, cornerback, pretty good size. Jamel Dean, six yes. one, six one, six. Right, exactly okay. right. Ran what? It was it a four four three flat? Four three. Four, I, that was right. the official time. Four three flat. Four three flat. Yes. Okay, guy. This is one reason you're not hearing about this guy. Had three knee surgeries in college. So there's the first reason he's off of you know the top tier radar. Now this is a guy who doesn't deserve to be drafted in the top forty to forty five picks. He probably should be somewhere between let's just say 45 and 65, okay, because he is raw. But there is some physical attributes. Again, there's just not a lot of corners in football who are 6'1", 206 pounds. They can run 4'3", flat. He's special that way. He is one of those guys, Liam, just real quick. I mean, when he gets his hands on people at the line of scrimmage, the receivers, it's over, night-night. He's going to dominate you physically. But, again, what I always say about corners, and hopefully this makes sense, the greatest corners of all time could all fly. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. people miss that sometimes. We look for other traits, and I go, okay, but if we go Daryl Green, Deion Sanders, Darrell Revis, Rod Woodson early on in his career, Charles Woodson early on in his career, Champ Bailey, uh, who else am I missing? Any other ones out there that are all-time greats? Their ability for their top-end speed 
is special to where mm-hmm. they don't have to go a hundred percent all out when somebody's running a go route, right? They can just go, I'm going 90%. All of a sudden they put the brakes on and because they're not going a hundred miles per hour or a hundred percent, they're able to stop and play the underneath routes because they can trust their speed down the field to go, this guy can't outrun me deep. I'll play, I'll err on the short stuff. That's what he can do. And to me, again, not a first round, not a top 40 talent, but a guy I'm just throwing out there to go, he's special. He has some really elite traits. And don't be shocked if this guy's in the combo for like one of the best cornerbacks in football two to three years. Without the knee injuries? It's scary much, a little bit. If, you, if it weren't for the it's knee different injuries, now, though, don't you think? It is, definitely. I, I mean, I, I think the way surgeries are now and the way people recover, I mean, he's running a 4-3 right it's, now, so exactly it's not right. like it's affected athleticism. And you're right. I mean, and, and when you're that young, it, it, it concerns me you know, less than it does if he was 27 years sure. old and going through his last one or whatever it may be. I think the big thing for this kid is, you know, yeah, if he didn't have the knee injuries, it would give him more time on the field. He's a little raw that way, and he doesn't have a ton of film to watch. But still, just a special guy that I would say uh, watch out for. All right, let's go to an interesting one here. Yeah. Deontay Johnson, Toledo. Yes. All right, so it's a re- receiver, but guy can return kicks, return punts. Right. Not the fastest. Not the fastest, exactly which right. At, when you combine those positions, you're yeah. expecting some elite speed. Right. So I, I saw here for him a right. four five three forty. Yes, yeah, it's, okay. it's, it, if there's one thing I look at his game and say it's a little negative is, yeah, his top-end speed is not of a DK Metcalf or a Paris Campbell or a Marquise Hollywood Brown. It's not quite there. But what is on the same level as them is his acceleration, okay? So his first few steps and his ability to make people miss at the line of scrimmage or get off the line of scrimmage cleanly is special. So he can win at the line of scrimmage right away to where maybe he's not going to go 80 yards down the field, but a good quarterback sees him win, throws it 30 yards down the field, he's still going to have the lead against the corner, whatever it may be. Very good route runner, and this is what I think was really impressive. You mentioned the punt return, his ability to carry the ball and make people miss in space. First guy never tackles him, breaks an ankles every time. He's great that way. And he has a really incredible knack for catching the ball, and having a feel for where the defender is. So catching the ball, and I feel you here to where he's catching it and almost peeling away as he's catching it because he knows you're yep. there and he's going to make that first guy miss. To me, that was what was very special about him. Yeah, he's not an outside receiver all the time guy. He's kind of a slot outside combination. But I think a guy that we need to give some love to, and I think certainly is on the – I wouldn't be mad if somebody had him as their fifth-rated wide receiver. Wow. Yeah. Well, would you use him at uh, punt return and kick return? I would. I would certainly so, spur- certainly punt huge. return. I know. The fact you're filling multiple spots with a pick. Great it's- value. I, this is a guy that, you know, I think will be drafted in the second round at well, some point. Right. I do. I think, uh, I think teams know about this kid, and this is one of those where they're all being quiet. Like, I hope that team doesn't know about it. I want to be like – I've talked to, like, five of my friends, and you've all brought up his name, so everybody knows him now. Well, he's sort of that guy because uh, his production in his senior year, not incredible not from incredible. the receiver position, but right. you go back to the junior year and, and he had almost, go, like, 1,300 exactly yards. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly all right. right. So yep. we go from Toledo, and then we go back to major program. Yeah. All right. Nicole Hardman, Georgia. Similar size. Yep. All right. right. 5'10", 187. Much faster here. Though. Much faster. Yeah. Not maybe not maybe the same wiggles of Deontay Johnson. Not going to make people miss that way. But McColl Hardman, uh, Hardman, excuse me. I've had my eye on this kid for two years at Georgia. Number four, he's got a rocket up his ass. That's the only other way I can say it. He's raw as a receiver. You know, I almost think of a Tyreek Hill-ish guy. Maybe not quite as fast Tyreek Hill, 
but similar in theory to a Tyree Kill or a Percy Harvin, that kind of guy where you go, here's a speed sweep, here's a toss sweep, he might turn the corner and run for 70 yards, here's a screen, he might make one, one, people, one person miss and run for 70 yards, run a post route, we'll just bomb it to you, and then kick return and punt return skills him. there for yeah. him too. Right. It's special that way. He's a guy that's a little bit of work in progress at the wide receiver position because it's new to him, but I think he's got big-time talent. And a guy that, I, again, I think will sneak in higher than what people expect. Like, he could be end of the second round, early third round. There's just not a lot of people that can move like him on planet Earth to where, again, the draft is about elite traits, and he has some elite traits about him. That's an elite trait to have, a it rocket is. up your ass. Yeah, it is, very that, elite. It is. It's underrated. It's, uh, it better be um, battery-powered, though, because this is a birthday. So no oh, fuel. I understand he's got to have a Tesla rocket up his ass. Important qualifier <laughs> to make there. All right, Vashon Joseph, yes. linebacker from Florida. All right, so not enormous, 6'1", right. 230, athletic. People wonder maybe inconsistent. Uh, you go back, you look at the tape. Do you yeah. see inconsistency I, I or mean, do you see what jumps out? Yeah, well, what, inconsistency, I get it. You know, it's a little bit more of a free-flowing style in Florida. Didn't You know, the linebackers are allowed to just play street ball, which is just go get the football. And I think that's, you know, again, here, this guy is not in Devin White or Devin Bush's class. It's not that guy. But, you know, everybody I hear or talk about linebacker positions, the next guy up is Mac Wilson, okay, from Alabama, who's a good player. Mm -hmm. And then the next guy after that is – uh, the kid from, from Clemson, who I'm blanking on his name, or Jermaine Pratt, yeah. who we've seen yeah. from North Carolina State, who's a middle linebacker. Yep. I like those guys. Don't get me wrong. But for me, after the two whites, this I thought was the third most impressive linebacker I watched. And these are first-round talents, but I saw this kid and I just went, I mean, he's a lot like Darius Leonard from last year, who won – Rookie of the year on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, yeah, 6'1", 230. He didn't run the 40 at the combine. But, man, Liam, any games he's in, any play I watch, he's all over the ball. He, for a not a big guy, really plays well in the trash, can get off blocks, can make blockers miss and still get the ball and find the ball. Just a true ball-hawking linebacker. And as you and I both know, I mean, you need to be athletic at the middle yeah. linebacker position this day, this day and age with the tight ends and all the things offenses are doing on the offensive side of the ball with backs out of the backfield. So really, the, the linebacker position sets dictates the speed of your defense. When you have fast linebackers, teams usually go, you're a fast defense. So the two Devons, right? The two, you have Devin White, yes. you have Devin Bush. Do you have him? I would make him number would three. You really? I think he's more impressive than Mac Wilson. Okay. You know, like Might not be schooled as well, might not be technically as perfect as Mac Wilson, but I think there's more elite plays and elite film on him to where I go, whoa, Mac Wilson can't do that. Okay. I know he can't do that. And I like that aspect, especially when we're talking about guys in the first two or three rounds of the draft. All right. We'll finish with this guy. Yeah. Jace Sternberger, Texas A&M, 6'4", 250, tight end. 6'4", 250, tight end. This, for me, is the third best tight end in the draft between the behind the two, two. Iowa kids, yep. right? Sternberger is... Got ran a four seven five at the combine. Film is is much faster than that. I, I always write what my guess is after I watch a few plays. And for him, I wrote down four six five. I thought he really on film looked every bit as fast as T.J. Hawkinson from Iowa. Okay. And uh, a little bit more of a lumbering style, kind of runs with big strides and flat feet like Gronkowski Gronk, yeah. does. Yeah, it, it really yeah. is to me to where. 
I think this kid is a end of the first round talent. I really do. Where I wouldn't be shocked if New England at 32 went with this type of guy. People around him catches the ball fearlessly, has an unbelievable catch radius. And Liam, I think the thing that, you know, okay, the negative would be not as good as a run blocker as I'd like, but the tools are there. I even wrote in my notes, he's kind of just a get-or-done guy. Like, you know, oh, okay, I'm not supposed to let you get here. Well, I'll just get you and you, you won't get there. He's not going to crush somebody. To You're not going to, yeah. Time. And I think that that can be learned. And when you get taught technique and you get around other NFL tight ends and you start to see, oh, I got to block this guy. I can't just get her done here. I got to, like, rely on something else and get her done. I think he has the ability to be a good blocker. But, Liam, I, this is, I think, the best thing about him. Man, after the catch – he runs through tackles. He runs through contact when he's running routes and has some wiggly, greasy hips to make people miss in space to where you're like, how are they missing him? Because it's not all necessarily like, like Gronk, yeah. where you go like, why is nobody catching him? Or why is he making somebody miss? That doesn't look fast or quick. But yet you watch the film and go, nobody tackles him or nobody catches him. And I like his game a lot. To me, he is definitely a top 40, top 45 pick. And like I said, I would not be shocked if he went late in the first Would you round. rather have a rocket up your ass or wiggly, greasy hips? <laughs> I'd I rather mean, have the rocket up my would ass. Would you? Yeah, I in would. the end, that's yeah, really more value. Uh, <laughs> by the way, so this is a guy who actually started at Kansas. Uh, didn't play there. I didn't even realize Went that. Went to Northeastern Oklahoma A&M. Wow. So he's been to two A&Ms. Wow. That's then, a, I did been, not know but that. But here's the best part about yeah. this. Because you're celebrating Earth Day. Right. This should be your guy because, because he is a recreation, park, and tourism sciences major. Like it. There you go. I just moved him up 10 spots. <laughs> You're better than the Iowa guys. I knew it. Uh, that's good to hear. Well-rounded right. guy. So he's one of your people. He, he is. is one of my yes. people. Yes. yes. Good exactly. to hear. Good to hear. But, all right, so these are the guys, the Robin Hood guys, that you think should be getting more love. And obviously, you spoke to a guy who's getting a lot of love in Josh Allen. But before we get to him... Uh, we have the Ask Me Anything. Oh, baby. Ask Me Anything. Which, by the way, I would imagine this week you're getting a lot of texts from people who are just like randomly asking you draft questions. Constantly. People Whether who, it's my people friends. People do not want to answer these texts. Right? Yeah, like, well. Like I'm working. I'm wor- a, exactly this is right. an actual job. I do get, you know, a fair amount of texts, though. Um, as you know, I'm friends with a lot of people in the NFL. And what I do enjoy about these weeks is. I have friends who text me and ask my opinion about certain players or have you seen this guy? Because they're all kind of just tinkering with things in their head and they want to take information. And not that they're like, whoa, Chris Sims said this. I'm going to, we got to move them up the board, guys. But yeah, I have some friends who but are. But if some, you open their eyes about something, they yeah, take a second and maybe look. Maybe just yeah. say, like, yeah, man, I, you know, especially the down the line guys. Ooh, this is a guy that I would watch out for later down the line, whatever it may be. So I enjoy that. And also in those conversations, I feel like I always get a few inklings of what they're really thinking, too. Yeah, they're starting to give you a hint. Yeah, right. All right, you want to start with this? Here we yeah. go. Steven Pipes. Knowing you think Quinn and Williams, yes. slightly better prospect than Bosa, what would you do? If you were the 49ers GM at two, obviously the assumption there is Kyler Murray goes one. Right. Uh, okay, this is, it's a very good question because you could justify Bosa or Quinn and Williams at number two. Uh, you really could. And I think Quinn and Williams is, yes, for me, the overall better prospect. But I think the fit for the 49ers, not that Quinn and Williams wouldn't fit there. I just think the better fit is Joey Bosa. Again, I've said this before. You know, the 49ers have drafted three defensive tackles out of the last five drafts. They got the two Oregon kids in Armstead, DeForest Buckner. They got Solomon Thomas two years ago. So it's not a real position of need. So to me, it makes most sense. 
Uh, you can get a special defensive unit if you got the two Oregon kids at defensive tackle, and then you got D Ford at the other DN, and now you got Nick Bosa. That's when you get into whoa, this might be the one of the best defensive ends and our defensive lines in all of football type of conversation. They run a Seattle scheme. They put a lot of pressure on their front four. That's why I think it will be Nick Bosa ultimately. It, it's strange, right? Because you draft for need, but it's not really a draft for need. Yeah, yeah. Because the talent's there. Yeah, exactly right. The so. talent, the talent, the talent is there, and. You know, it also, yes, where does it match on the board, too? And at number two, there's defensive guys across the board. There's really no offensive guy to be had at number two other than maybe Kyler Murray. And uh, he'll, we expect him to be gone. We'll see. Yeah. All right, number two, unbiased yeah. takes. Should the Raiders use a late first-round pick to trade for Frank Clark? Ooh, I wouldn't be – yeah, I would not be mad at that. That would okay. be a smart – I actually, I think that would be a really smart move by the Oakland Raiders. I hadn't thought about this at all. Is it a move that you think fits their plan? I do. I okay. think he fits their plan because Paul Gunther uh, is kind of the Mike Zimmer type defense, which has a lot of similarities to the Seattle defense uh, at its base core. So, yeah, he could play a similar role within this defense – and really feel like, oh, this is what I've been doing my whole life in Seattle to this point anyways. But as, as you and I both know, I mean, proven commodities are always better than we hope this works out. We yep. think he's really good, but we're not sure. And, yeah, Frank Clark to me is a guy that's, yeah, pro bowler, going to be a pro bowler a number of more times. you got to pay him money. Yeah. That's the other thing that comes along with it. But, yes, if the Raiders wanted to trade away, pick number 27, and Seattle was down for that for Frank Clark, I think I'd do that if I'm the Raiders. Do you think he gets traded on draft uh, night or over the course of the draft period? I'm going to say no. Okay. I don't think anybody's going to do it. All right. Yeah, I think that – if there is a team to do it, I think the Raiders are the team that makes the most sense. I don't think that the you know the other teams we look at with multiple first round picks. I don't think the Giants would do that, and I don't think the Green Bay Packers with their two first round uh, two first round picks will do that either. Okay, all right. Third one, Will Aloi, I believe. Yeah, Chris, love the show. Former Ramapo football center here. What up, Ramapo? Did, does that name ring a bell? What say his name again? Aloi, A L O I. I did not have my fingers in his ass crack. No, all right. I don't know who that is. <laughs> It's got to be a better way to say that. All right. What will happen if the Cardinals don't take Murray at one? Are they trying to increase value for the pick or Rosen? Okay. All right. I like this. It's a good question. I mean, I think this is really, I mean, this is the fun aspect of the draft. If they don't take Kyler Murray, what the hell happens? And who the hell does take him is going to be the big question. Now, let me just say this. They're taking Kyler Murray. Yeah. I, I 100% believe that. The only reason they don't state that they're taking Kyler Murray is in case Kyler Murray tore his ACL tomorrow, they don't want to hear the public pressure of like, oh, you said you were going to take Kyler Murray and now you're going to be a mean people and not draft him number one. No, they're not. But they don't want to be, they don't want to be backed in that corner. Nor do they want to say, yes, we're taking Kyler Murray and he gets arrested tomorrow night. And then you look like, oh, damn, we – We told everybody we're going to pick. So those are the reasons teams don't come out and say those type of things, okay? But if Kyler Murray doesn't go number one to Arizona, I think it'll be number four Oakland Raiders. 
I don't think John Gruden will pass up Kyler Murray okay. if he ended up there at number four. I just been around Gruden too much. His love affair with Jeff Garcia, his love affair with Russell Wilson when he came out. I watched him on the draft a few years back when Johnny Manziel was coming out, and he thought every team that picked before the Browns should have took Johnny Manziel. So if he likes those guys, damn, he's in love with Kyler Murray because Johnny Manziel is not in the same stratosphere as Kyler no. Murray. So to me, yes, if he went to number four, that would be my money that he ends up with the Oakland Raiders. Well, Manziel to me is a guy who's trying to do the things that Kyler Murray does and doesn't do it as well. Exactly right. And then obviously it does there are other off, problems. Off the yes. A few of them. You might have read yes, about them right. at some point. All right. Matt Tordeau, I have heard some analysts say that Kyler Murray looks to run first before looking to throw. What do you think about that? Love the show? Yeah. Keep up the good work. Thank they you. They made sure to put that in. I don't know. We can cross those. Thank you. Up. No, no. We need to hear more of those. More nonsense. of those, please. Right. Um, I think that people that say Kyler Murray looks to run first, okay, are either being lazy in their evaluation and haven't really watched, and they've just watched, like, TV games, or they've watched a highlight package or whatever it may be. Or maybe they got a little too fixated with the Alabama game where Alabama rushed three the majority of the game and dropped eight. So Kyler Murray in a number of plays dropped back, and it was like, whoa, nobody's open. I have to run. Kyler Murray looks to throw the ball first. It's the reason when we were at the NFL Combine and I had just gotten done evaluating him right before we got there, I was like, well, this guy's the number one player of the draft. It's the best quarterback of the draft. I was shocked at how good he was in the pocket and how he wants to stand there and throw and make decisions. So, no, he is a pocket-passing quarterback who has the ability to tuck it and run it and scare the shit out of you if he does do that. Uh, that's why he's special and being talked about I think you one. just remember the runs. Yes. And I think if you're I, a right. football simpleton like me, you watch the game and you know he can throw the football, yeah. but you are still mesmerized after the game with what he can do with his feet. Doesn't mean he's choosing to do that no. before throwing, and he can throw. Yes, he can. But you remember the runs. because They're special. Yeah, and because other guys simply can't do what he can yeah, do. No, they cannot. All right, Steve McDetmer, best receiver for the fighting Kyle Shanahan's in the second round. Convince my friends that Paris Campbell is greater than Nikhil Harry. Ooh, I, that, that to me is a no-brainer. And I like Nikhil Harry. And, again, that's what I hate about the draft time because we got to talk about some guys negatively to point out what I like about the other guys and their positive aspects. Nikhil Harry has a oh, lot of stop. things. Oh, stop it. Just bury the Well, no, nah, I can't do that. They're kids. No, I but you love it. Paris Campbell. I, Paris did. Campbell is one of my man crushes and I think one of the most underrated people in this draft. And, yes, he's the number two receiver to me. And it was very close for me to make him number one. I mean, again, if people out there want to show me anybody else who can catch five-yard shallow crosses and then run outrun everybody for 70-yard touchdowns, please bring them to my attention because then I have missed them in this process. And so is everybody else. So that's a special skill set. I mean, again, there's just not many people that can do those type of things where it's like, oh, you're Michigan? See you guys. I'll see you in the rearview mirror. Zoom, I'm gone. I mean, it's constantly – Paris Metcalf is Paris Campbell. Yeah. Paris Campbell. Sorry, I combined them. Yeah, That's but if you can take both of them, that is, yeah. He's uh, top but 10. Paris Campbell, very good route runner, dangerous with the ball in his hands. Again, I, was, I said this about McCole Hardman, but I think this guy's more of a polished receiver than a McCole Hardman. But again, like a like a Percy Harvin. Tyree Kill, DJ Moore from last year who okay. went to the Carolina yep. Panthers in the first round. That type of guy to where, yeah, he can beat you deep. He can catch a slant route and go for 70-yard touchdowns. You could toss sweep it, and he might run for 70-yard touchdown. He is a special talent. And I think 
absolutely a first-round talent. Don't you think, and I wonder about this, and I wonder how people evaluate this, because we've seen this over and over throughout the draft. I wonder if people watch film of Paris Campbell and think less of Dwayne Haskins. And not for any sure real reason other than, wow, he just threw the ball seven yards to a guy, and then I watched that guy outrun. And now I wonder, is this Haskins? Yeah, yeah. I do wonder... Because we've seen that with other quarterbacks. Sure. Uh, I mean, Geno Smith certainly comes to mind Definitely. years ago. Where the offense and the talent around you helps, oh, I mean, helps you he, look he a lot better. He was throwing 10-yard passes and guys were, you know. Right, Stephen Bailey, Austin, Austin. Yeah, right. it was exactly a track right. meet. No. Uh, yeah, I, it's a very And not that I'm comparing because I think Dwayne Haskins is better than Geno Smith. Yeah, but yeah, I get what you're I, saying. I wonder. Um, no, I think that there's going to be the, some detractors that are going to look at it and go, man, Dwayne Haskin, Ohio State, they made the offense so easy for him. It was, you know, either just stand there and wait for this guy to get open or throw a quick one to Paris Campbell and let him run and make something happen. To where I'm sure people question that about him. I don't question Dwayne Haskins, but I know what you're saying, certainly, and it is legitimate. That's why you have to do your research and continue to go through throws and plays and situations to go, wait, is this the offense or is this the player that can make yep. some plays happen? And I saw enough of Dwayne Haskins to know he can make it happen, too. All right. Bruce wants to know, where does Andy Isabella rank in this class? Yeah, Andy Isabella, he is, you know, it's some good down-the-line wide receivers. We talked about the McCole Hardman. You just brought up Nikhil Harry, Mm -hmm. guys that are 6'7", in the pecking order. We Miles Boykin from Notre Dame's in that next group of guys. Isabella is... You know, who do you want to say? Wes Welker, Danny Amendola. He's that type of guy. Julian Edelman, except he's probably faster than they were coming out. But truly a jitterbug slot type of guy who I think somewhere third round, mid-third round, maybe early fourth round is where Danny Isabella goes because there's true value to that player in the NFL now. It's no longer just like, oh, we don't need the slot type of guy. Just about every offense in the game needs the slot type of guy and has a package of plays for that specific player who, you know, can basically you, – you can't play too in touch with him in a phone booth. He'll make you miss, and that's what Isabella brings to it. He's got some great straight line speed too. All right, let's stay with wide receivers. Yeah. Why is DK Metcalf not a top-ten pick like Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones? Yeah, okay, one is – and there's a lot of similarities there, so that's a very good question. I think one is the injury, right? He's been injured twice. There's serious concerns there. Two, I think it's, you know, lack of production, lack of film to be able to watch him, lack of different routes being run, lack of having a good quarterback that can hit him when he's wide open, lack of a coordinator who realize, who didn't realize like the two best players on his team were A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. And it's like, I swear at times I was like, I think I've, you've heard me say this, where I was like, I think they're trying to lose the game. I don't think they're actually trying to win. And they don't want to give the best players a ball. So I think those things uh, are probably the reasons. He's a very raw prospect. You know, Johnson, Julio Jones were certainly polished. Yep. Jones, especially coming out of Alabama, I mean, he was already a good route runner and been coached by Nick Saban and everybody. So I think that's the big reason. But DK Metcalf's going to go off the board somewhere between 15 and 32. I would think that's what makes you nervous, yeah. though. Good and bad. Is, yes. It, you don't know if he will develop into those guys, but there is the chance oh, that he can. So is. if you do pass and you see how. Physically imposing and physically dominating, he could be. Exactly. Uh, it's the reason I made him number one. I yeah. mean, the film of Paris Campbell is really probably more impressive than DK Metcalf. But just the attributes and some of the special things that DK Metcalf has, yeah, just gave, uh, gave him the slight edge for me. All right, this is a good one. The Curl Scout, which team or teams 
do you see trading up or down in the draft? Which teams do you think jump out to you? Yeah. That you think they really would like to make a move. They're going to get something done here. They're going to make a deal. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, this is what's crazy about this draft. I mean, quarterbacks make trades happen, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, for the most part. The teams with multiple picks, you know, the Packers, the Raiders, I don't think they're in the quarterback conversation. The Giants, I think they're just going to – they'll be able to wait to number six for to have a quarterback fall in their lap. So I don't think you're going to get a crazy amount of play for the quarterback situation. You know, then the other aspect of this is, all right, so who are the other elite guys that people might warn for trading up? Okay, well, it's a short list for me too. It's the Nick Bosa's. It's the Quinnen Williams. It's uh, Ed Oliver, I think, falls into that class. After that, I'm not sure anybody really does. So that's the reason I don't think you're going to see a ton of first-round action. But – Okay. Well, can I can I yeah, go to the next question do. then? Because please this do. is interesting. It Justin Sandy in wants to know: Should the Falcons trade up into the top ten for Ed Oliver? Oh, yeah. The, the, that would be great. I'm just not now, so sure you, they don't have to go farther than that. That's what I would worry about. I think Ed Oliver is one of the five freakiest people in this draft, and I just I have a hard time thinking that he goes outside of the top five. I mean, just from the guys I've evaluated, okay. I just think he's he's. He's too special at 287 and the way he runs around. I mean, he runs like he's a, an awesome third-down middle linebacker, except he's 287 pounds. So usually guys with those elite traits go early, and I just don't know if the Falcons have enough capital to, capital to make that kind well, of Well, it's funny, too, because this is almost where we started with Ed Oliver. You're right. Right before Everyone the college football season. It was and be, and then it's been yeah. this roller coaster, right. and wow, look where we are. Look where we are. Right back, and he can be a top five Right pick. back in the top five. You're right, exactly it's right. Funny. Yeah, It kind of went down this wormhole late nobody, in the season. Where nobody like, wants the draft to happen more at this point than at all. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> he doesn't know where this Just is going to go. Just get it over with. Yes, right? but I think that's where the, the trade conversation gets, you know, very weird. Okay, hey, maybe the Redskins love a quarterback. Maybe they decide they want to trade up into the top ten to get a yeah. guy. Okay. Uh, the Green, I mean, uh, the Miami Dolphins at 13. Maybe they're sitting there at 13, and let's just say maybe Dwayne Haskins is still at the on the board at number nine. Maybe they make a move up to go and switch with Buffalo. Those are the ones that jump out to me right off the bat. And then when you get into the other conversations, yeah, it's going to be a little bit more of who you fancy on the front line. Like, you know, does, is Buffalo sitting there going, well, I need Ed Oliver. Does yeah. Buffalo need Ed Oliver? Oh, well, they might. Sean McDermott's is a defensive coach. Maybe he wants a guy like that. It's those type – or maybe it's Quinn and Williams. But those are the type of moves uh, that I see. There are the teams that I would say are the players that are a part of this. But I think it's going to be a weird draft for trades. I don't know if necessarily a ton of them are going to go down. All right. All right. So we move the on. The Jets are dying to get out of number three. And – Okay, but you can tell there's not a lot of action for it right now. But the Jets, do you think they take Ed Oliver? If, if they I, can't move? I do. Yeah. And, and I'm like just and now starting the, my And now last. the center of that defensive line, you're – Yes. You, and, you got problems with, right? And I, I mean, connect these dots. Like Greg Williams, you know where he was? Yeah. He was with the St. Louis Rams, and they drafted Aaron Donald. Yep. And I just look at it and go, ooh, all right, they already got Leonard Williams. I don't think Josh Allen from Kentucky is worth the number three pick of the draft. Ed Oliver can kind of kill two birds with one stone where you could say, whoa, he's Aaron Donald. You know, he could play inside, but he could also play defense end and be a pass rusher that way too to where I just, I don't know, that just seems to make too much sense to me. All right, next one. Your thoughts on Jonathan Abram? This is a guy, I love violent, yeah. aggressive safeties who play on 100. That's what John Abram is. Is that what you see? It is what I yeah. see. Jonathan Abram, yeah. Uh, safeties haven't got a lot of talk in this draft. 
You know, you heard me talk about Darnell Savage. I, I preface that with Jonathan Abram is the best safety in the draft. I love Jonathan Abram. He's like, he is what I would want in a safety. He has no regard for his body. He is just looking for car crashes to be involved with, and he just loves it and eats it up. I mean, he is, he is uh, yes, he is a true strong safety, but has like free safety speed and hips and things like that that I thought was very impressive to where he doesn't always have to be in the box. If you want him in the back end to be in coverage or to be the middle fielder and just to have his range show up, he can do all of those things. Yeah, got a little bit of a man crush on jo- uh, Jonathan Abrams. Certainly certainly a first-round talent. Just where does he go? I mean, you know, with teams that need safeties, does he go to the Chiefs at 29? Does he go to the Rams at 31? You know, do the, do, I don't know if the Raiders, uh, obviously the Raiders, they could be maybe be in that conversation. So all of those. What's up, Rob Highland? How you doing, there man? Is. Rob Highland, <laughs> great. If uh, his calves were in the draft conversation, he'd be in the top five. Honestly, if that was part of the combine, yep. there'd be an ISO cam. Oh, ISO cam. Yeah. He's, he's the guy that's in that, um, that Liberty Mutual commercial that's riding the bike with huge calf muscles. That's him. <laughs> there he goes. Yep. I think he's just been going up and down the steps the whole time working yeah. on them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's stay. We had safeties there. We'll move on. Oh, this is interesting. So you have you've basically been talking safety. So, yeah. I mean, can you give me position ranking after your first two or three? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I would say for me it would go Jonathan Abram. Then would go Darnell Savage. Savage. And then I think after that I would go with the kid from Delaware. Yep. Uh, Adderley. Yep. Right? And then – um, probably the kid from – I need to pull these up. That one caught me by surprise. And then I think I had the Washington kid. Hey, you didn't want to know the question. Rap. You know? No, I think it was Rap. Rap would have been – Taylor Rap yep. would have been my next guy up into that conversation. Oh, no, no. I'm wrong. Next would be Juwan Thorn- Thornhill from Virginia. Okay. Who's another guy that I almost thought about putting on the Robin Hood thing. Juwan Thornhill, six foot, 205 pounds, 4'4", and had a 44-inch vertical. It's a – that's a this specimen. This is a monster defensive yeah, draft. right. It, it, it's, it's amazing. Just, it is. So he would, be, he would be probably the guy I would go with after Adderley, but I certainly think even all these guys I just mentioned are first and second round prospects. All right, let's stay with position rankings. Yeah. yeah. Uh, offensive line? Right. What do you have there? Cody Ford yep. would be my number one tackle in this draft. I am a huge Cody Ford fan, so that's number one to me. Um, number two is Greg Little. Okay. Yeah, you don't have the Alabama. No. You don't have Williams no, at number two. I, no, a lot of people do. Two. I know they do. Right. And first of all, Jonah Williams can't play tackle in the NFL. Yeah. So he's a guard all the way. And I like Jonah Williams, but I would say if you made me rank guys that I think are a hair overrated in this draft process, he'd be one of those guys. Okay. And I don't mean that to be a jerk, Jonah Williams, in case you listen to this. I just mean people talk about him as a top 10 pick, and I don't see it that way. I think he's more of a 15 or 16 through 32 type pick. But – Really probably the best guard in the draft. Okay. And there's not a ton of big-time guards. But, yeah, I would go Cody Ford, one. Uh, Greg Little from Mississippi, two. I would go Dillard, three, from um, Washington State. That mm-hmm. would be my number three. Hold on, I got them all right here. I would probably go Garrett Bradbury, the center from North Carolina State, if I had to rank my offensive lineman in order as number four. Then I would go with our boy um, – you just talked about from Alabama. Then you'd have Williams. Yep. Then yeah. I would go Williams there. And then I'd get into a guy probably uh, Caleb McGarry might be my next guy tackle from Washington. And I can go on and on. 
But, no, but those think, are the ones that jump out to sufficient me. For yes, Cody right. Ford is a guy. Liam, I don't get it. He's the best tackle in the draft. He's not the best athlete to tackle. Guys like Dillard and Juwan Taylor, who Juwan Taylor, a lot of people have the top five. I don't have as a top five talent in this. Dillard, Juwan Taylor, um, who else am I missing? Greg Little might have a little better feet than a Cody Ford, but not so much to where I go, whoa, I don't like Cody Ford. And then Cody Ford's power and ability to stop people with their power rush because he's 328 pounds and looks like Jason Peters, he's amazing that way. And to me, that's Orlando Pace. That's franchise tackle. Like, I don't give a damn who you put on the edge. If it's Khalil Mack or a guy with speed, they're going to have issues with Cody Ford. I don't know. That's one of those, in your mind, you make the pick, you put him there, and now you don't have to worry about You don't about have to worry about it forever. For a long, long time. But I'm one of the few people I see that has him as the top tackle in the draft. And to me, it's I, I think it's he's, he's number one for me. This is a pretty interesting one from okay. Connor McGinnis. You look back, where would Watson, Trubisky, and Mahomes stack up in this draft when they were prospects? You obviously can't you try yeah, to take out of your sure. mind what happened here. All right, so you don't include their current NFL body of work. Well, I where was, would they stack up? I will pat myself. I'm one of the first people on Patrick Mahomes. You can go back in my old podcast and look it up. So Mahomes is number one. Without knowing what you know about him now, if you go back to just college, what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so if you watch, watch me coming out, I was going, this guy's Aaron Rodgers. This is Brett Favre. Uh, Brett Veach even gave me a credit at the combine. He goes, I mean, I saw you say all those things. I showed Andy Reid when you said it. So I got okay. a little street cred here with Patrick. So Mahomes. you have him, and yeah. then are you going with? I'm going Watson too. You had him. Oh wait, wait, wait. I gotta think. I'm thinking about Kyler have... Murray here. Hold on a second. I'm. You'd... I'm oh, you'd have I'm Kyler so Murray. used to. I'm going Mahomes one. Okay. No matter who the fuck it is. Okay. Right. He's one. Fine. Okay. I'm going to go Deshaun Watson too. But that's what you had. Back I know, then? but I think Mahomes is special. I'm still going to go with Mahomes one, Watson two, Murray three, as if I had to rank him. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense to you? Is that uh, okay? no? I think so. Well, it makes sense also with the modern NFL and the way things are played yes. right now. I mean, I think you want those guys, but definitely. Yeah. No. You think so? You think Kyle? Well, Ray I don't be believe a... that these were your rankings prior to them getting drafted. I don't think that's. I mean, I I, th- I was huge on Pat- Patrick Mahomes. I was fine. saying he was the franchise. He was the guy. No doubt about it. Okay. Yes. So. Then would be Trubisky. So yeah, it would be. Okay. It would be. Yes, I was high on Mahomes. Go back and look at it. I give. Go back to my Bleacher Report videos. Okay, so you'll see. It. Would you have? You'd have Murray over Trubisky. Though. I would have Murray over Trubisky. Would Murray Trubisky and be- Watson would be very close. Okay. If I was to be honest with Fine. how I had Watson evaluated at the time, because there was a few questions I had about Watson, because I was always going, man, I never see his fastball. I want to see his fastball more. I question that. After those guys. So after the three. You have Trubisky. Do you have Trubisky higher than the rest of the quarterbacks in the potential first round of this draft? Um, I think I would put Drew Locke in front of Trubisky. And, gosh, coming out, no, I probably like Trubisky's film a little bit better than Dwayne Haskins. It would have been really close. He'd have been in that group right there. But I did like Trubisky's film coming out, and I still think Trubisky has a chance to be a really good player. People are overly critical of Mitchell Trubisky, and I I don't get it in Chicago. I'm constantly having to defend him when I go on radio or TV there, and um, I don't know. I think he's got a chance. I know he's not Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, but he's still really good, yep. and they can win a Super Bowl with Mitchell Trubisky. All right, we're going to really change gears here. Yeah. Alexa Fiesta. All right, a lion, a great white shark, and a T-Rex are still on the board. Who do you draft first? Wow. It's different positional value there, you know. I mean, sharks slippery as hell. Yeah. T-Rex can overpower you. 
T-Rex isn't going to play receiver. No, Lions got positional arm. versatility to me. Yeah. You know, I'm a cat lover. You can't even throw cats in there. I'm going with the lion. Really? Yes. Well, because I feel like the lion needs a lot of rest. <laughs> it needs a lot of rest. Sharks, am I wrong? Does a shark basically die if it stops swimming? Uh, well, no, it, like, it's something like, did they get turned on their belly? Because that's, they will, they that's will high motor, right? Like that's like coma. your classic high motor guy. Like, You're, he's got to keep he's going. He's got to keep going. Okay, yeah, he's got a fierce appetite. He does. <laughs> For he the does. quarterback. T-Rex is um, enormous. T-Rex, yeah. He can't two-gap. He's a little yes. short with his arms. So and, he's not going to be able to hold people up. And for any announcers, like he literally ripped his head off. It, it could apply to the T-Rex at that point. I, like that. I think yes. the T-Rex is in there. You're going there. number one? I am. You're going I T-Rex? Am. And you're out of your mind with that lion. <laughs> I want, lion's like a pass rusher. He gets 10 plays in. we got to take him out for a few minutes That's to your true. point. Yeah. And yeah. then I'm putting him back in. You throw the oxygen mask right. on right. the lion's face. Right. You need to go get into the IV, Mr. Lion? <laughs> I do. Okay, go in there. I like that question. We should have more of those. I All right. always welcome the animal question. All right. So next one wants to know uh, about the Rams at 31. Jeffrey Simmons? Yes. Viable option for the Rams at 31? Seems like a game wrecker. Uh, when healthy, you can maybe put him next to Donald. They yes. may have a versatile, uh, you know, and dynamic one-two there. I would think Jeffrey Simmons is the, is the uh, young man who tore his ACL in preparation for the combine. And he is, without a doubt, a top 20 pick if that didn't happen. Okay. So I think there is a chance that he is on the board for them. You know, the only thing I'll throw out there in that conversation, the Rams, let's just say a Bradbury from North Carolina State's on the board. You know, they could use some help on the interior offensive line a little bit. It was a little bit of an issue for them last year. They lost Roger Saffold, who was their best interior offensive lineman. So that, that would be D-tackle, interior O-line, and maybe safety because they lost yep. a LaMarcus Joyner would be two spots that I would look at that certainly are up in the up in play for the Rams at And a couple of those safeties you mentioned could be right could in that be position right in that and spot. may not be able to pass on exactly those guys. Right. All right, so Kevin Vaughn wants to know, uh, this whole this is interesting, uh, Raiders Gruden Mayock versus the scout story. Yeah. All right, yeah. from over the weekend. Right. An actual big deal? Or just kind of one of these stories that happens and the media gets excited about? What do you think? It's not a big deal to me. Uh, it, at its base level, I think if you didn't, you know, you weren't around football all the time in an NFL organization, I understand how people would look at that and be like, whoa, that's crazy. Okay, but most scouts during the draft have nothing to do with the draft. They are literally sitting in a room watching TV just like you and me are for the draft. Okay. Because they've done their work. And now it's up to the big wigs, uh, the big wigs, and the, uh, the GM and the head coach and the o- owner to figure out the pro player personnel guy, the director of college scouting, how they want to, you know, rank the board and position by position, and how it, do- it goes from there. So again, scouts have very little say in the matter. Uh, as far as draft day is concerned. Maybe a GM comes out and goes, hey, Liam, you're in charge of the Southeast, right? You've seen Florida and Florida State. You know, what is that third rounder from Florida State? You know, what did you think about him off the field? What did the weight coach say about him? Okay, maybe the Raiders are going to miss that aspect. But that's not a huge deal. The, The point is this. A lot of these scouts and people are not a part of Mayock and Gruden hiring them, so they don't know them on a personal level. This is the biggest draft in Raiders history. Yep. Right? I mean, it's John Gruden, 10 years, 100 million. They're about to sign, go to Las Vegas. They want to get off on the right foot. It's all the carryover from Khalil Mack. Exactly it's, right. Yes. They got to make this happen so they don't want any leaks. And I, I have no issue with that. I understand what they're doing there. Um, 
And, and yeah, I think a lot of those guys probably won't be with the organization for much longer anyways, and they make some moves there and get some of their own people in. All right. Nate Moore wants to know, was there a guy who you pounded the table for as a scout that made the Patriots team? First off, were you pounding the table while you were there? I don't – I feel like you were pounding the table. If I was pounding the table, they were like, Was that your last what day are on you the doing? job? Yeah. Do you have an issue or something? Do you have a twitch problem? Is your arm cramping? Because you shouldn't be – Stop pounding the table. Yeah, Let's start there. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> Let's start there. No, uh, I can't say that there was anybody there. Uh, as I was in charge of, like, making tapes for the Northeast – uh, eligible draft guys. So I always had to have tapes of those guys ready. And let's see, out of the, the year I was there, we drafted, we did draft Chandler Jones, who I made the tape for. Now, you know, it's not because I made the tape, but I just, that was exciting. You're going, oh, I've really seen this guy, and this is cool that we're going to draft him. Uh, we did draft an Aaron Dobson from Marshall, I believe, in the second round, a wide receiver who ended up having a foot issue and really mm-hmm. never got to play up there. But Pounding the table? No, that did not exist, nor was I allowed Chandler to. Jones does not owe his entire career. Definitely not. No. Point. What's great about New England, and this came up right before we went on air, but New England is, again, the scouts are not in the room. The main room they have has a metal garage door over the big board, okay? The door itself is locked to get into the door with the <laughs> locked garage door that goes up to show you everything they have. And it's literally, I mean, like, you know, Bill Belichick and anybody that goes in the room, they, like, put the key in. They I like around. to think of Belichick walking around with, like, a giant key like he's the uh, he pull, know, he does have a bunch of keys. dungeon master or something. I, it's kind of like that. Yeah. And he wiggles it, and they go in, and they lock the door. But nobody gets to see that big board except for about four or five people. And, you know, even in my time there, there were certainly a few instances where People walked out of that room. The pick is in. We don't know who the pick is. We're outside watching on TV. But we were, knew it was somebody Somebody coming out of the room shaking their head. Like, I can't <laughs> believe Bill's going to pick this guy. And usually Bill is right with the pick anyways. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to uh, draft day for Chris Sims. Oh. Okay. I've had better, but I've All had right. worse. When your time came. Yeah. Name called. What did you do? What did you think? What did you feel? <sighs> Take us back. Yeah. Um. Well, that was a long day. I was picked 97, and that's when they used to do the first three rounds all on the first yeah. day, right? And, uh, you know, I, I had got it. really was kind of led to believe that I was going to maybe be an end-of-the-first-round pick going into this whole process. The night before, my agent called me, my mom, my dad, and he said, oh, I think you might be the odd man out in the first round, and you might fall after that a little bit. So that, that came about. So I was a little prepared for that, but I didn't really believe it. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, uh... I'll see it when I believe it. I had some other coaches who I just felt like, gosh, this team liked me so much. I just can't imagine they're going to pass me up. Either way, uh, it was a long day. After the first round was over, I was pissed off, okay, and I got angry. We got about halfway through the second round, and I know I told my friends to leave because they were at the house. I had some friends over, and I was just leave. I'm going upstairs. I don't want to see anybody. I'm kind of pissed off. And I was kind of watch, you know, watching the draft and you know, misery a little bit, mad at the world. And, um, uh, and then all of a sudden the Buccaneers picked a 97. And Chris Berman's on TV going, like he's begging, like, please be Chris Sims, please be Chris Sims. <laughs> and it was me. And it was a great relief. I heard my mom yell from downstairs and my Aunt Wendy and all these people. So a special moment where maybe your competitive desires get a, get a hold of you a little bit too because you're going – man, I've seen these other guys, yeah, and I sure. feel like I'm better. Whether I was or not, hey, who cares at this point? But then John Gruden called, 
and you know, hey, welcome to the Bucks. And I was like, he's he like, all fired up. How you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm kind of, I think the first thing I said, I was like, I'm kind of pissed off and disappointed. <laughs> and he's like, all right, man, well, don't worry about it. We're going to get down here, get to work. You'll prove everybody wrong. And it went from there and really uh, was a blessing in disguise in a lot of I ways. I feel like he's a good guy to have on that phone call if you're a little bummed out. He at this was. Point. I feel like the energy like was be, high. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And it's not like, hey, buddy, don't worry. No. Like, like he's going to charge you up a bit, right? Definitely. And as a quarterback, John Gruden at that time was the sure. whiz kid. Yep. And I was like, holy shit, I'm going to play with Chucky. And the Buccaneers had just won the Super Bowl. So those were kind of the silver linings I tried to take from the whole thing. All right. Chris Ray wants to know. All right, does a team call the current QB right away if they draft one in the first round out of respect? Let's say first round. I'll say first round. Let's say high at this point, okay? Right, right. All right, you know, would the Raiders call Carr that night? Is he going to have to rely on social media? Now, there are leaks and there are things that can go through. But let's say it actually happens. Yep. At that point, the draft is made. Is the current QB already notified? He is going to be notified before the pick. Okay. Yes, they are. I mean, a classy organization would do that to go – Hey, you know, hey, David Carr, hey, Josh Rosen, we are going to take Kyler Murray here with this draft. We, you know, we, you know, and just give him, a, give him a warning and probably tell them if, in Josh Rosen's case, hey, we have fielded calls from these teams about you. Something might happen here in the next few hours as far as a trade's concerned. You know, even if it's a Phillip Rivers, let's just say way down the line, right, where he knows he's the starting quarterback for the Chargers this year. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Maybe the next two years. They still would probably call him, too. Yeah. Just to let him know because he's the captain of the ship and go, hey, Phillip, just letting you know, you're still our guy, but we are going to kind of get some young blood into town and we're going to draft, you know, Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke or Daniel Jones, whoever it may be, and just to let them know. All right, your car, your Rivers, your Manning, well, Manning especially at yeah. this point, but I mean, right. you're getting some notification. Definitely. You have to. Definitely. Okay. Yes. All right, yeah. so let's go to the defensive side. We were talking about tweeting. Yeah. All right, you bring it to Nick Bosa here, these anti cap tweets, the pro Trump tweets, any possibility. Did you think he'd actually be a divisive figure in the 49ers locker room if they go ahead and select him second overall? Guys are going to look out of the corner of their eye at him from the start. He's going to kind of have to prove himself as a man in the locker room for sure. Yes, he is. I mean, it's not where he's going to walk in and people are just going to judge him like judge a book by his cover and be like, oh, if guy's an asshole, yeah. guy's a racist, it won't go down. And that does not go down like that in the NFL. That will be in the back of people's minds, but they're still going to, hey, Nick, nice to meet you. How you doing, man? And get to know him from there. Uh, but, yes, he'll be, he'll be watched a little bit more closely now in the locker room for little things that people might think are suspect, whether that's a, you know, somehow of a racial comment or just anything like that to where, yeah, he's going to be under a microscope. That's the case. But yes. don't you think it's a big team. Yeah. It's an NBA locker room. No, exactly okay. right. It's politically diverse. Yes, yes. There are going to be people. There's definitely who, are. Who are not going to have a problem with any of the things that he's tweeted. No doubt about that. That's right. There's going to be, and I, I still think that's a very few amount in the NFL right now. Okay. Uh, the Kaepernick issue, that might hit home That's there a, a little, little different. Bit. Right. I, yeah. That's to where I think guys, and especially guys that were on the team with Kaepernick and respect him and some of the things he's done, to where, yeah, that might bother him a little bit. But, again, I don't think anybody's just going to go write him off as soon as he walks in the locker room. You know, he'll, he'll get a, a chance to prove who he really is as a man. All right, this is a cool one. Uh, you're going to have to dig deep here, but Callum Davies has a good one here. What draft bus do you still not understand? Oh. Like, what guys could you just not believe it did not work out for? 
Oh, that it did not work. Yeah, out like for you had a guy. Way, you're like you're like this oh, guy's gonna this guy's gonna be huge. Damn. I, yeah. And then, okay, I'll give you one right off the bat. The the bat. Um, the um, the tackle from Auburn, uh, Greg Robinson, who was the second pick of the draft, uh, I believe. Was that the Rams that took Greg Robinson? Is I'm right, right back there. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Checking on me. Yeah. I thought Hall of Fame left tackle. Right. I really did. So there's one right off the bat where I look at, and there's more. So it, 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 this one caught me by surprise. But that one, but right that away. one, I was going, ooh, the size of this guy, the arm length, his feet. Wow, this guy's really got a special ability, and he's kind of just started to figure it out in the NFL right now. And I thought he was going to be like a franchise left tackle from get-go. This is a good one to go off of that. Arkell wants to know which position has the most busts as far as scouting missing on projections and why. Yeah. Is there a position out there that you think people just get it wrong a little bit more than others? I think quarterback is one of them. Well, yeah. People look at productions and wins and losses too much, and I want to go, wait. The best quarterback in football, or I'll say the second best quarterback, this is the second best. You're sitting next to the yeah, first best. Yeah. That's 1A. This is 1B. That's how close it is. This guy went 5-7 and seven his senior year in yeah. college. Okay? So it's still a team sport. we got to stop doing this about, you know, quarterbacks, wins and losses, and production and all that is certainly one area I look at. After that, I would probably say it's defense to end. When you think about guys like Deion Jordan, Shaq Lawson from Clemson a few years ago. Not that he's a bust. But I think people thought he'd be, you know, one of the league leaders in sure. sacks. You know, there's other guys, too. You know, uh, the guy down in um, that did, just drafted um, Charles Harris with the Miami Dolphins. He was a top 20 pick at defense end or top 25 pick. Haven't really come to anything there yet either. Because with defense end, it is a little bit of projection sometimes. You look at the guy, you look at the specimen, and you try to project what he might be in the NFL sometimes. And I think that, other than quarterback, that's probably the position where people bust more than anything. All right. Uh, let's go with quarterback here. Yeah. Give me a lower-tier quarterback. It's, I mean, kind of a vague term, but obviously guys that not everyone's talking about as first round. Yeah. But let's say lower-tier quarterback in this year's draft to have a chance to be a starter in the future. Okay. I, Jared Stidham's the first guy that I think okay. out of Auburn. I mean, I, I, again, Jared Stidham, a lot of the issues that from his game were because of his team, his offense. He had some of the worst pass protection out of any quarterback I saw. I think his game reminds me of Tony Romo. Uh, and I would say he maybe even has a little stronger arm than Tony Romo had. But it's very similar to that. The athlete, the way he can kind of move around the pocket, he can find little lanes to throw it. It has a strong arm. Jared Stidham's a guy I certainly look at in, in that way. Uh, I am a Ryan Finley fan as well from North Carolina State, as yep. you've heard me say. Yep. Uh, good athlete. I think the most accurate thrower of the football in the whole draft. He'd be one. You know, and if I had to give, like, a diamond in the rough, okay, just a guy where I'd go, like, don't be shocked. Don't be shocked. Or this would be a guy I would take late in the draft to go, we might hit a home run. And this is a guy that I kind of talked negatively about early on in the process. The kid from Buffalo, the quarterback, Tyreek Jackson, right? Enormous kid. Enormous kid. When he first came out and I first saw a few throws, I said, he's wasting his time. Go play tight end. And I might still be right about that, Mm -hmm. but I saw enough on film to go, holy shit, that was a great throw. And now in the next five throws after that, I go, holy shit, what the hell was that? But then I go, holy shit, that was a great throw. And to me, those are the guys you take a chance on in the fifth and sixth round. There's no point in drafting your third round, your third string quarterback. That's a waste of a draft pick. 
draft a guy that you think late in the draft, if you're looking to bolster your roster, maybe one day this guy can be something. Sure. And I think that would be – he would classify as that guy in this year's draft. All right. Buffalo getting a shout-out. Buffalo nice. for you. Right. Liam that. McHugh. All right. You have the chance to uh, speak to a guy that you think is going to go – Top 10? Uh, t- top 10, I, I would be shocked if it's not top 10. I think people talked about him as a top five. I don't know if that happens, but I think top 10 is, ha- you know, hands down, no doubt about it. All right. Big defensive draft coming up. Yep. And a big defensive prospect right here. Kentucky's Josh Allen spoke with Chris earlier. Special guest on Chris Sims' Unbuttoned podcast today. I mean, we got one of the best edge pass rushers in the whole draft, maybe top five. I don't think there's any way he gets out of the top ten. But a New Jersey man, and if anybody knows me, I'm from Jersey, so I love to show some Jersey love to my man Josh Allen from Kentucky. Josh, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up with you? I'm good. You doing all right? Good. Great. Trying to talk. Yes, sir. Getting ready. Yeah, I bet you're getting ready. I mean, uh, it, it's it's a special time for you, so you got to be excited about what what's coming up here this week. You know, what's your what's give me your feel right now? Like, what's what's the emotions running through your body? Oh man, I'm you know I, I'm really excited. You know, I'm trying to I don't know I don't know I'm just <laughs> I'm ready I'm ready to get over it. I'm yeah, to, you know, see what I'm gonna be living at and go from there. Well, yeah, you're right. You're excited. You're nervous. I get all that. Okay. So, wait. So, this is where I'm going to start because I don't want to ask the normal bullcrap football questions right off the bat. You know today's Earth Day, right? Did you know that? Today's Earth Day? Today is Earth Day. So for, no, I did And I'm all about the earthy environment, Josh. So, what's your favorite thing about the Earth? Come on. Give me what's your favorite thing. I, mine's, you know, the the – the life we are giving, water, air, the greenery we see on the planet, those are the things. Sometimes I like to smoke greenery, uh, but don't you answer that part. But what's, <laughs> what's your favorite? What's your favorite part of Earth? Go ahead. That is still in one piece. Okay, that's good. That's where I like. That's where we want to keep it, in one piece. Okay? And then this is the other thing I looked up about you. Your July 13th birthday, right? 1997? Yep. Do you know your birth sign? Do you know what your zodiac sign is? A cancer. Yep. Okay. And do you know anything about being a cancer? I, I love this that I'm asking a big, tough football defense end of these questions. So, do you know anything about a cancer? Yeah. Everybody says it's the best sign ever. We're like the best people in the world. We get along with everybody. You, you do do that. You're highly, highly intuitive. I looked all this up because highly intuitive, but very self-protected. And I could see that. Are you a self-protective person? Your animal sign is a crab, which has a hard shell around it. What do you think? Do you find yourself to be a, a self-protective person? I can definitely see that. Yep. Okay. It says you also care about, you can definitely see that. Okay. Yes. It says, you know, you care about family a lot. Things like that. Is that, that's true. That is a hundred percent true. Okay. And it takes you time to warm up to people. Like you're probably talking to me, some asshole right now. And you're like, whoa, it's going to take me a little time to warm up this guy. So that, that true too. I just want to know, I'm getting a feel for you as a person. Uh, no, I feel like I, I get. I just talk to anybody. Okay. I talk to anybody and everybody, and once I know you, it's like, damn, we're, we're like family. 
Okay, that's good. That's the, that's the jersey in you. That's the big mouth jersey in you. Okay, and then this is the other thing I want, want to know, because you just recently were engaged, right? Uh, I just got married. You got married. Congratulations on that. One of the things I read about your Thank sign you. is that the woman sometimes has to make the first move. Now, I just want to know, did this happen with you? Did you make the first move? Did she come to you? How did this work out? You know, the man, the man, the man side of me wants to say she did, but I, you know, I, I went up to her. Okay. Okay. That's good. All right. Good. All right. So now we got all that out of the way. Now I feel like I really know you. Um, okay. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's get into this just so far. Talk about, you know, how many visits you've made in the draft process and kind of just what it's been like for you uh, th- throughout this whole thing so far. Uh, I've been on eight or nine visits, uh, all good visits. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the time, you know what I mean? Because one, te- one of those teams, or maybe not, I'm going to be a part of, you know what I mean? It's just me and all the coaches and seeing each, how each facility is different and, like, being the people, you know, meeting everybody, you know what I mean? It's, I don't know, it's just, I think I'm a sucker for that. <laughs> yeah, I get but, it. But uh, I'm definitely enjoying myself. I'm definitely enjoying myself for sure. Yeah, well, you so, should. You should. Well, we're going to see Thursday. Yeah, we're going to see Thursday. Okay, so out of those visits, I mean, I want to ask you some fun questions. Like, come on, give me, like, your, you don't have to tell me where you went or anything like that. Feel free to if you want to. But, like, let me hear what was the best meal you had on your visits. You try any new foods, any good restaurants on all these rich billionaires' dimes? Uh, how did that all shake out? <laughs> I mean, uh, I tried. I tried to eat good. You know what I mean. I try. I try to do as best as I can to eat good. Any, but uh, each. Go ahead. Went so, to roof. Went to roof, Chris. You know, roof, Chris is a classic. Yep. Uh, and then, then we went to the best thing I did though at one place. I played golf. Not like a sim. They had like a simulator in the restaurant. Right. They had like a simulator in the restaurant, and like, you know, at first I was just gonna play it cool, but like, no, nah, I'm not gonna play, and then. And then, like, I just said, uh, forget it. You know what I mean? And hello? Yeah, I'm here. I'm listening to you. I'm enjoying what you're saying. I, I actually, so how'd you oh, hit yeah. it? How'd you, are you a golfer? Because uh, I'd like to actually see you swing and hit a golf ball. I mean, I actually got a video. I can see you in video if you need one. But, like, you know, over time I got better and then I got competitive and got all sweaty. I had to come on my button up. <laughs> you know, I got, it's a real competitive you know, thing to do, but uh, but I loved it though. I'm, I'm thinking about. I, I, I think you about to give me one for my birthday, ain't you? No, yeah, yeah, that's right. I am actually. No, I'm not getting you anything. You're about to be a lot richer than me, so you can buy it yourself. Okay. <laughs> All right. I want to, but I want to. I want to get almost some of your money. I know you do. I know. And thank you very much for wanting to spend my money. But I have a family to worry about right now, so I'm not sharing it. And Maybe if we get to know each other a little bit and you let me into your trust tree and the circle of trust, we could do those kind of things. And maybe I will buy you some golf golf clubs and we could play. But I'm not giving you any of my money yet, even though you are from New Jersey and I like you a lot. <laughs> we'll see. All right, we, we will see. All right. So – Okay, uh, I, I, this is the other thing. I, while we're on sports, 
I mean, what was your best sport other than football growing up? Because you have a pretty interesting story, uh, your high school, growing up, everything that I kind of want to get into. But what was your go-to sport other than football? Uh, basketball, of course. And what? Uh, it has to be basketball. Our whole family, whole family played basketball. It was, it's like a tradition. If we didn't play basketball in my family, it was like, what are you doing? What's right? Uh, okay, and you could shoot. Like growing up, or you were like a power forward type. Oh, yeah. yeah, you could shoot. I'm like a guard, you know. You're like a guard. You were a shooting guard. You know what oh, I mean? Okay, I don't know what you mean. I'm not sure if I really believe I, you, but for now, I'm going to believe you. The disrespect. <laughs> the disrespect is through the roof right now. Thank you. <laughs> it's disrespect and respect because I really do love you. And this is something I want to talk about too. I mean, Hyundai 2019 rolling with the rookies. That's what you got going on right now. And I want you to make a little plug about what you're doing with Hyundai and, and kind of uh, how they followed you around and kind of brought some attention to your life. Oh, man, I'm – like I said, like you said, I'm so thankful that Hyundai gave me an opportunity to, to even tell my story. Uh, yeah, we went back home. You know, I had the opportunity to go back home to Jersey and, you know, tell my story. Like what you said, and it was just – and it actually brought me down memory lane. I started thinking about everything. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then got to rekindle moments with my best friend who was there with me, my mom, dad, aunt and uncle. I tell my all my family was there. Uh, just, just telling my story to them, you know what I mean, and then having them hear everything, and then like telling their stories about how it was growing up. It was just, it's just a blessing, man. You know what I mean? I'm just so thankful I got the family that I have, and, and someone think, you know, Hyundai for even giving me an opportunity. Plus, the car was sweet. Yeah, it is really cool. And if anybody wants to see that, that video is online at Hyundai's YouTube page or their social media cha uh, channel. So certainly check that out. And I want to ask you some of that stuff that went on there. I mean, you know, you talked about your journey. I know a little bit about you. I heard about you your senior year at high school at Montclair. I heard about this tall kid that played defensive end and was an athlete. I remember hearing about you. But why about how about the people listening to my podcast right now? Explain to them your journey in high school and some of the things you went through and, and the challenges you had to face. Uh, so growing up from Montclair, New Jersey, born and raised, I moved to Alabama my freshman year of high school to get out of a situation that I you know, that, that I thought I was better than. Uh, you know, wasn't gonna play football, just gonna straight basketball. Uh Ended up meeting the coach my first day down there, and the head football coach at the high school. He was just like he looked at me. He's like, "Yeah, just come out and try out for the team. Whatever you gonna like it." Man, I went out there first day, got body slammed, got picked <laughs> on, got hit up and down. And crazy thing is, I didn't even play. You know what I mean? So I was just like the practice dummy. Yeah, you were you Rudy. I mean? You were Rudy so like, Rudiger. Basically, <laughs> basically, you know that that was me. And then when years go by, I started to get better. And then by my junior year, I ended up becoming an all-state receiver for that high school, for my high school in Alabama. And getting looked at by a lot of colleges. And then I just moved, I happened to move back to New Jersey uh, for my senior year. And I had to start recruiting classes all over again. Uh, so I started out with zero. I had nine, zero offers. Like, and then I played a whole new position. I moved to defense. Uh, so now I got to play a whole new position, learn that, and, you know, and start all over. 
after after one scrimmage, he felt like one of the private schools, and the dude from Rivals Zero, he's like, "How you feel? We we're, we just made you a two star recruit, and I thought it was the best thing ever. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, I I got two stars. That's crazy. You know what I mean? I'm like happy and excited and all that. Um, so you know, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever, and then I realized. It ain't, <laughs> you know. What I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was honored to be that, but you know, I didn't get any offers out of it. I thought I was at least gonna get one or two. Right. You know, I got Monmouth off for me. Uh, committed there. That was, and I let, and I had to leave the let the state in sacks too. You know, my my first year playing defense, I led the state in sacks. You know, all state defensive end, first team, second team all, tri state, whatever all state. But no offers came to show, and then Monmouth came. They offered me a scholarship. Committed there, and then somebody. And then what's crazy was somebody decommitted from Kentucky. Right. So left a, a spot open, and then I played against one of the coach's brother. At my, at, he went to he coached at West West Orange. He played against them in high school, killed them, and then he called his brother that was at UK and was just like, "You know, I need to look at this guy. He's you know long, athletic. He can pass rush, bend the edge. You know all that." Right. And at the time, Coach Ansley was in the DMV area, so they gave him a call. was like, go stop by him, you know, go stop by, see him. If he passed the eye test, give him a scholarship. So he came middle school, and he looked at me. He's like, oh, you passed the eye test. First thing he said. Then he said, you know, they offered me a full scholarship, and I was, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I call, and I'm still in school. I, like, call my mom. She, like, leaves work. She, like, leaves work, come to school, and, you know, Two hours later, I'm on a plane to Kentucky on my official visit. You know, so well, it, it's a it's a weird story. It's amazing, story, but um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, what, what, yeah, it's something you don't hear. Yeah, you something you don't hear. And, I mean, hey, listen, uh, you're getting the last laugh. I know that because here you are going to be a top ten pick for sure. What was, at the time, what was the, 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 you know, people questioning about your physical ability in high school to where they didn't want to offer it? Was it a size thing? Was it the fact that they just haven't seen you play defense end? What, what was the detractors as far as teams not wanting to give you scholarships? You know what's crazy? Yeah. Your guess is as good as mine. I, I don't, like, you know, I guess I was just new at the position or, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm I'm really not sure, but, you know, I'm glad. I'm actually glad those teams actually slept on me. You know what I mean? Yes. So, Yes. It is what it is. So, so because of this and the way it's gone on, I mean, you're used to challenges. Is this – you know, how do you deal with coping with criticism or people not, you know, telling you how good you were? Is this still something that bothers you? You still got a chip on your shoulder? Are you over it at this point? No, I always got. I'm always gonna have a chip on my shoulder. That's something I'm always gonna do with, and I'm still going. And I know I'm still gonna be slept on during this process. So, uh, you know, what I mean, I just gotta. You know, I, I know my purpose now. You know, what I mean, I have my family. You know, that that's the reason why I want to be great. So as long as I got them, my mom's going to keep a tip on my shoulder and be the hardest working dude out there. Okay. All right. So let me hear what's this right now. What's the chip on the shoulder right now? Because, you know, hey, you're being talked about as the uh, uh, one of the best pass rushers in the draft. And, of course, people, when you're named that, they pick you apart a little bit uh, because there's a lot of good edge rushers in this draft along with you. But what's the, what's the question or the thing that's bothering you the most through this process that maybe teams keep asking you about? 
I mean, uh, can I play? Can I play defensive end? Right. You know what I mean? Because I was always a stand-up. I was always a stand-up guy in, in college. And my, the, the biggest thing they asked me is, can I put my hand in the dirt? Can I be a fourth end? I'm like, man, if I, if I can play receiver, play defense, and transition that to be the person I am today, I can make a change. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I feel like it's, I feel like I shouldn't even have to do it because I can work on that. Like, it's not even, I can do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, you know, it just it is what it is. All right. You know? Yeah. So, so I get it. I mean, because hey, listen, I'm a guy that sits here and evaluates all you guys in the draft, and I try to, you know, look at the positives and negatives. And I guess that would be one of my questions. Like, how do you envision yourself in the NFL, the next level? Do you, you know, because some people go, okay, like you just said, four three defense end, put his hand in the ground and get after the quarterback. Other people say he's more Anthony Barr and he might be a stand-up 4-3 linebacker when all said and done. Do you have a preference? What, what, what's your vision? Do you care? Man, I'm just trying to play. I know you probably hear that a lot, but... That's okay. Man, I'm, just, I don't literally, I'm, I'm just trying to play. You know what I mean? I don't care what they do with me. You know, I can play anything. I feel like I'm not playing enough to do anything. You know what I mean? I, you know I can rush the passing. You yeah. know what I mean? So that's like... You know, just get me in a situation where I can do that, and you know, for like big, strong, physical, fast. You know, I can, I, can, I believe I can do it all. You but, can, uh, you can, you can you do know, it all. No, so, you know, if a team, if a team think I can't do it, I hope I see them on Sunday. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, they gonna feel me. So I've been doing it my whole life, and I'm not gonna stop now. Okay, so here we are like a few days out. you got a feel, and of course you don't have to name the names. I don't want to get you in trouble, but you got a feel for the one or two teams that might draft you. You think you got any gut on that yet, or are you got, like, totally in the dark and have no idea where this, how this plays out? I literally have no idea. I don't want to have an idea, you know what I mean, because I, I want it to be a surprise. And plus I don't want to be butthurt, you know what I mean? I don't want to be like, Oh, I'm gonna go this. I'm gonna go that. And then they trade that pick, or they they draft somebody else. Now I'm hurt. You know yeah. what I mean? I want it to be a surprise. I want it to be, you know what I mean? You know. So I'm really just taking it day by day and enjoying the process. Good, good for you. I mean, you you should enjoy the process. All right. So I gotta just before we go, I want to ask you like two or three more, you know, fun questions. First off, you're about to be rich, like you said. You're gonna buy me a pair of golf clubs. What's the first thing you're gonna buy for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> No, you don't I know. I thought about that yet. I got myself a nice Rolex. Probably. Now, I was pick 97, so I didn't get the same cash you did. I probably would have got a little more <laughs> icy of a Rolex if I got picked where you got. Uh, so you don't know yet. You haven't thought about that part of it. Uh-uh. That's it. But I'm get, it's getting close, though. Okay. But if I always tell myself before I get in, like, I, I, I tell myself, do I want it or do I need it? You know what I mean? Very wise. I always tell myself, do I want it or do I need it? That's a good logical thing to do. That'll stop you from, you know, wasting a lot of your money because I know I wasted a lot of my money on shit like that. So uh, that's good. Keep saying that to yourself. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So here's another one. You played in the SEC. Uh, you guys were the best co- f- football conference in college football. I always like to ask dudes like you this. Yep. Who's the best player you played against in college football? Who's the one guy that you just went against and said, damn, that guy is a freak show? This year? Anyway, anytime uh, in Kentucky. I don't probably, care. 
whoever it was. I just want to hear who jumped out to you when you were out there. And maybe you didn't play against them. Maybe it was on another team's defense. Just somebody where you were on the field and you were, you were amazed by the guy's ability. Uh, you know, it's crazy. I'm going to say Isaiah Wynn. Okay. You know, he, I think he's, I, and I think he's the best soccer I've played against. And then this year, Juwan Taylor. But, like, athletically gifted, I would have to say, like, Lamar. Lamar Jackson? Yeah, for what he did. Right. At, at Louisville. You know what I mean? It yeah. Crazy. It's, crazy. It's, pretty, it's pretty crazy. But in the, in, in the NCC, I feel like, who's the best person I've played against? Oh, Alvin Kamara. Okay, that's a good one. That ex- oh my, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, why you say that? What he was, <laughs> if he, what he's doing now, he did that in college. Yeah, I know. I, I still don't know what the hell Tennessee right. was doing. They didn't give him the ball enough when I watched his college film. I wanted to go are they trying to win games? Exactly. Or? Yes. Okay, so that's a good one. I exactly. like to and, and you say, yeah. Go ahead. What do you want to say? Finish it off there. No, nah, I, I, I was probably going to say what you were going to say. Yeah, he's, he's a stud. I'm, I'm with you all the way. I don't get that one. Um, those are all good names. Isaiah Wynn, for everybody out there, that was the first-round tackle. The New England Patriots drafted last year. You name Lamar Jackson. Come on, went to the playoffs as a rookie as the, on the Baltimore Ravens. And Alvin Kamara is a stud. All right, last thing, because I know you're associated with Honda and your jersey, okay? Your jersey's strong, so I know you're tough and you got attitude. You see Golden Tate. Golden Tate signed with the New York Giants, all right? And he's all shocked about New Jersey gas. We don't get out of the car. I mean, that's a good, oh, yeah. that's a good thing, right? Don't you? I mean, I think that's one of the best things New Jersey has to offer. No, nah, it's really not because you got to think about it. You got they expected to, and plus gas is like $4 there. Damn, what I don't I have never I you're right. I don't know. I'm this I'm a very generous tipper. I have never tipped the gas the gas station attendant. So, I might be setting myself up for some criticism there. <laughs> but that is one I did not know. I did not do that. Uh okay, so you're not in favor of the gas. I can't believe that. That's so anti-jersey of you. I cannot believe you're taking that stance, Josh. I'm sorry. That's but all right. I, I thought about the same thing. So I got to suck you. I got. I found cheaper gas down here. It's uh, you know, yeah. This, that is the worst one. It's like freezing cold, and you do, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's when it's good. All right, man. Yeah, that is true. You the man. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I'm really rooting for you, man. I hope you kick ass and uh, good luck with everything this week. Yes, sir. I appreciate. It. Thanks for having me on. All right, man. Keep it Jersey strong, kid. Keep it going. Yes, sir. Be yes, good. Sir. Be good. Let's get back to the more important things. Earth Day. Did you hear his answer? Yeah, Earth asked him Day. What's his favorite, you asked him. What's his yeah. favorite thing about Earth? He says the fact that it's still intact. And I want to go, yeah, thanks. But that's where we've gotten here on Earth Day. You can't argue with it, happy though. it's still it's here. It's a pretty good reason. That's a great reason. But we're hurting it, and we need to help it. And this is a special day, and I love the Earth. You are Captain You are. You are Captain Planet. Oh my God! We fight the war on the planet. <laughs> Somebody's got to fight well the war. Said. Me and Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio are fighting the war on yeah, the planet. Yeah, there's a buddy movie for you. Yeah, yeah, I know. When are they making that one? Yeah, right. Uh, I like that you've been Robin Hood and Captain Planet already. Lots in this, of lots in of green stuff. today. I like. How are you green. spending your Earth Day? 
Uh, nothing special. Uh, I try to treat every day like it's Earth Day, okay? Um, I really do. I try to go out it's of my like way. It's like every week like it's Shark Week. <laughs> you know, I, yes, try, it really I try is. to do all the yeah. little things. And I know I'm not perfect, and it's hard to be perfect. I know. But we could all strive to eat better, to make the planet better, to recycle, to not use so many plastic goods. You know, again, at some point, I'd like to see our country get away from the dependency on, you know, greenhouse gases, oil, all of that. You know, let's let's reduce the red meat intake a little. Okay, methane twenty times stronger than gas or carbon dioxide. When a cow goes, Whoa, that's methane. We don't all need a steak for three meals a day. Uh, we're okay. We're not male lions in Africa, so let's tone it back on that. Beans, not beef, is what I'd say. Okay, don't litter. All right. And global warming, everything around that, it's real. We know it's real. As much as some people want to say, we have like all this technology, NASA, CIA, they're all telling you we can see the gas in the air. We know how much carbon dioxide's out there. So uh, that is causing issues. We know that the temperatures have rise, risen in the ocean, in the atmosphere. The North Pole is melting in front of us. All of these things are real. As much as people want to say, oh, we're not sure, blah, blah, blah. No, no, we're, we're pretty sure about this. In fact, the scientific community is more in agreement that global warming is real than tobacco causes cancer. So how about that? How about them apples? It's a very real thing. And You make a much more compelling argument than the people who tell me, oh, it's warm out today on a day it's supposed to be oh, cold. Oh, I know. Well, global warming? I like that. So, we're, oh so all those people who do that when they say, where's global warming when it's 35 degrees, I think we should all tweet at those people all summer long when it's hot and go, damn, this yeah. is hot. It's global warming. Yeah. And just throw it right back in their face. I'm sick of that crap. It's not real. We don't need to be drill, baby, drill. We can move on to other ways in our country uh, through infrastructure and whatever it may be. But, man, I don't know. I mean, call me crazy. I mean, whether you're religious or not, it's God's green earth or uh, I only know there's one earth and let's kind of take care of it because, I mean, we got islands the size of Texas full of trash in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. We've uh, put garbage the size of New Jersey into outer space. We are ruining the planet. There's no other way around it, and we all need to do better to fix it. Fantastic. Thank you. Well done. Thanks. Well said. No, you're passionate. All right. I feel like... Thanks a lot. I feel like everything you're wearing right now must be hemp-based. Uh, it's probably you're, not. You're going to go eat a bean, bean burrito? Uh, I, I am going to do probably, yes, yeah, some rice and beans at some nice. point today. Do Fish my cover best. band playing in there. Yeah. You get the whole thing going. <laughs> is that really, really? I don't know. Ugh, I don't know either. Well, it is, yes. right? It's the it hills is. of 420. It is the hills of 420. No, but honestly, I, I, you know I totally agree with yep. you, and uh, I appreciate how passionate you are about it. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. All right, that's it. We that did is it. all. We did. You got some stuff coming up, though. I all got right, some stuff plug, coming up. Plug away. Please. Okay. I mean, we got. I'm gonna got my mock draft coming out on the Wednesday podcast with the Ben Meister. Ben Meister be here. Okay. So we're gonna do that. Got some great guests that we're gonna talk to on Wednesday. Not gonna spoil all of it, but they're all gonna be top 15, top 20 picks. So look forward to that. Um, uh, let's Meet see what else somebody did. Thursday night. Yes. Doing draft party in New York City. Going to publicize that real soon about where we're going to go, but going to be a man of the people. Going to react to the draft with the people. Maybe make some, you know, Instagram videos and everything like that. So looking forward to all that. But it's draft week. It's finally here. Can't wait for it. All right. I'm looking forward to your final mock draft. Thanks, homie. Yeah. And then we got to do one little thing for the rest of. The oh, world yes. is very important. Yes. Red nose. It's time, right? Yes. 
And right. Red Nose is uh, pretty cool. I got to wear this at the end of Pro Football Talk for the last 10-minute segment of the day. Oh, right. very nice. No, it's, this is for children in need. Yes. And that's a great cause. I mean, we have uh, – my kids always, oh, Dad, I deserve this. I've been good all week. I say this all the time. Uh, deserves not in the contract, okay? There's lots of young kids all over the world who are starving to death, and they did nothing to deserve that treatment. So this is a great cause, and I'm, uh, I'm all about it. All right, I, so am I. Go ahead. We got to read the copy? Yep. All right. Fifth year in a row, NBC has joined Red Nose Day in America in support of raising money and awareness to help children who need us most. Campaign's iconic Red Noses. They go on sale today. They're available exclusively at Walgreens and Dwayne Reed locations nationwide. Chris said why, and now it's time for all of us to come together and end child poverty one nose at a time. One nose at a time. Let's do it. It's a good cause. Uh, I'm glad NBC's doing this, and uh, really, it's cool to be a part of it. It really is. It's an honor to be a part of it. It really is. I mean, come on. Do I, I look so handsome with a red nose. I don't think you have to sell much more than that. I think <laughs> it, it speaks for itself. Yes, it does. It does. Yep. Go out there. Get your red nose. We're out of here. Talk to you Wednesday. Peace out for Liam McHugh, Chris Sims. Talk to you. See ya. is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches but there's only one McCrispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.